Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Uh, Bidoof. Bidoof. Happy Bidoof Day. Belated Bidoof Day. I actually spent all day, well, most of the day or part of the day in Pokemon Go trying to catch a shiny Bidoof because I wanted to name it Peanut Butter. Oh, did you catch it? No, I didn't get one. I'm really oh, wow. I'm sad. I think that Bidoof is definitely the most memeable of the uh, basic monsters that you can catch at the beginning of every one of the games. I can't even think of uh, many of the others. Uh, I guess there's Zigzagzoon from uh, yeah. Ruby and Sapphire. Rattata is a good one, but Bidoof feels more modern, I suppose. Like a, a vendor trash Pokemon for the younger generation. There's a little dog from, I think, Black and White. Oh, yeah, the Yorkshire Terrier. Um, yeah. I can't remember its name off the top of my head. I don't remember the the vendor Lilla trash Pokemon. Little pup. pup is that the one? Yeah, little pup. I can't remember the vendor trash Pokemon from the rest. Of, there have been too many Pokemon generations. I can't remember all of the Pokemon anymore. I know that um, Sword and Shield had a fox, which is cool with mm -hmm. me because I love foxes. So that was pretty cool. Well, we have a lot to cover in this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Nadia, we're going to talk about the new releases, what we're playing, and the news, of course. But we're also going to be talking about, well, we're at the midway point of 2021, Nadia, as hard as that is to believe. And it's time to take stock of where we are, talk about some of the biggest releases, and talk about how the year is going in general for RPGs. I refuse to believe that it's July. Like, I just utterly reject this information forget it it's gone it's may at the latest nadia rejects her fate I, re I reject my birth month well before we get to that we'll have a little bit of housekeeping of course acts of the blood god is on all of your favorite social channels well not tiktok or snapchat because we're not <laughs> under 30 so we are not <laughs> but we are on twitter uh occasionally tweeting our blood god takes that would be Blood God Pod. I'm on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And of course, you if you enjoy the podcast, we invite you to please leave a review on the show. Really appreciate it. It brightens our day. Couple of housekeeping notes, Nadia. First of all, if you're an Apple Podcast subscriber, we got some good news. We have uploaded all of the premium episodes from the Patreon our Evangelion special, our Zelda special, all of our Pantheon specials, the entire Witcher Watch. It's all there on Apple Podcasts. And if you subscribe for 10 bucks a month, you can get access to it. So it's basically like the Patreon, only we can't easily get access to the Discord, but I figure that people who are just going through Apple Podcasts anyway, maybe like don't want to go through the trouble of going all the way to the Patreon and thus to the Discord. So I'm offering you another way to yeah. access our premium episodes. Honestly, if you have a an iOS device like I do, just the way everything is unified there and it's so simple to buy something if your information's already on there, uh, go ahead and, and throw us some money. We do enjoy money and you get a cool podcast in return. And it's also really convenient because all of the episodes are like right there on yeah. your feed. You get the episodes a week early and ad-free, the same as you would with the Patreon. So uh, you can just see it on your feed. Just click on it. It'll say... Do you want to subscribe to the pod? And then bang, you're done. You're subscribing just like you would on iTunes. So. The answer is yes. You do want to subscribe to the <laughs> pod. And thank you for putting up all those episodes, Kat. That was a good idea. Yeah, it involved a lot of work, actually. It would. Yeah, so good thing you did it now instead of when we piled up more content because the content keeps coming. More content. 
More content for the content god. And also an announcement. You have just two days left to buy a pin, a year one founder pin from Axe the Bullet God. Orders close on Wednesday, this Wednesday after the release of the podcast. They're going to send all of the addresses over to Wizard Pins and the pins will start going out. Um, we'll still have some left, but if you're going to want to get yours, get to be able to get one, it will just have a bit of a delay. So if you want to be part of the first run, hurry up. Yeah. In other words, if you want to be cool. So if you want to be cool, buy a pin now, not later. I mean, you could buy a pin later and you'd, be, you'd still be cool in my eyes, but not in the eyes of everyone else on the street who'll be like, wow, that's a cool pin. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I got it first edition. They'd be like, wow, can Whoa. I come home with you? Sure. Think about all of the, uh, you can scalp it on eBay, probably. <laughs> Who the hell's going to buy a scalped Axe of the Blood God pin? I maybe, would. I'd maybe be like, I'm... whoa, it scalped Axe of the Blood God pin for $500. So maybe I'm selling ourselves short here, but yeah. On the Patreon front, Nadia, I just want to give a shout out to Wa. Who, wah, <laughs> who subscribed to the podcast at the $100 level of the Patreon. Really appreciate that. And they've already picked their topic. They're going to be wanting to talk about Ogre Battle, Nadia. So That's a good topic. Uh, I'll definitely have to brush up my Ogre Battle. But yeah, it's a really good, uh, interesting series. that has a lot of really interesting history. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll have a great time talking about it. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much. Wow. Wow. <laughs> And of course, while we'll also be getting a free pin along with our $50 subscribers and also our lovely mods over on the Discord. And hey, Nadia, we have one last announcement that we're going to toss in really quickly. You're getting your own show. Yes, I am. I am going to be doing my own segment. This is like a new thing. This isn't anything that's going to replace anything. It's just going to be me gabbing away. We are going to, I haven't really come up with a name for it yet, but it is definitely going to have a Final Fantasy 14 focus. And I know some of you will love that. Some of you will know, okay, I can just throw this right in the garbage and not bother. But I like to think that a lot of the fans out there who are Final Fantasy 14 uh, aficionados will give it a listen. Uh, I've already talked to Victor Hunter and Mike Williams, and they've agreed to join me at least on some of the episodes, if not all of them. And we're going to have a great time. I am really looking forward to it. I feel like we have a great contingent of Final Fantasy XIV fans over in the Discord. Final Fantasy XIV is more popular than ever. We've got a big expansion coming out this year. There is any time to devote a whole episode off over there (laughs) where I don't have to see it. It's right now. (laughs) Go in the corner and talk about your shame. I will. Once a My month. housemate Ryan is playing Final Fantasy XIV, so it's on perpetually now. Oh, he got in the trap, did he? Yep. He, uh, one of his best friends has loves Final Fantasy XIV, and so um, she just got her doctorate. And as a gift, she and her friends like are all jumping into Final Fantasy XIV. They're like, "All right, you've been asking us to play Final Fantasy XIV forever." As your graduation gift, we're going to play with you. Is that That's sweet? That's nice. That's very sweet, actually. So very I'm glad they're enjoying it. Congratulations, Morgana, on your congrat- uh, on your graduation. Seriously. Like that long time coming. So if you want to hear the Final Fantasy XIV monthly special, it's available to all of our $5 patrons. So And it comes out every single month, around the middle of the month, 
and Nadia is going to be hosting that with a variety of guests, I assume, because she's very plugged into the Final Fantasy XIV scene. Very excited to see what comes of this. Go, Nadia. Okay, let's talk about what is happening in the wonderful world of RPGs, Nadia. First of all, we have a new release alert. Two new RPGs have just come out. Scarlet Nexus came out Mm -hmm. on June 25th. It's from Bandai Namco. And it's hard to describe. It's like an action RPG and apparently has a really crazy story, super anime. Like reviews have been kind of all over the place, but it is next gen. Yeah, I've mostly heard good reviews for it, uh, mostly in the nature of this is actually a really fun, good game with some really good ideas. It could use some more polish, but as a new IP, we appreciate that it is out there. I previewed it back on US Gamer in the day, and it sure looked like a wild game, that's for sure. Like some of the enemies you go up against, like, you know, flower pots with long legs that want to kill you. Definitely some fever dream stuff. I was curious. I would like to go and give it a a shot, but I'm kind of... uh, busy at the moment have you gotten to give it a shot i have a code i have not had an opportunity to install it um i've been a little distracted nadia because tie fighter just got a total conversion into x-wing alliance and holy crap it's amazing and i just (laughs) just installed it and it's like everything i have ever dreamed of and i'm afraid it's going to take me so (laughs) oh no come back cat come back fifa wants you back (laughs) or mlb the show whatever it is you like to play uh, but this is what PC Gamer said. Scarlet Nexus is a little too big for its britches. Bandai Namco's latest original game aims high. This is an action RPG hybrid festooned with Devil May Cry like swordplay and Monster Hunter weak spot targeting, bottled up in an epic narrative that seems to explore a new high concept sci fi theme with every chapter. And they said it's a wonder how close it comes to pulling it all off at once. But it doesn't, alas. But maybe it will end up being one of those cult classics. I feel like it's something that I should at least dabble in. Yeah, I definitely want to see. Like, I'm I'm interested in your opinion because I like to give it a try for myself. I feel like we should reward the weird stuff that's you know, even if it's not fantastic, it's good, solid, playable game, new IP. Uh, I'll go for it. Why the heck not? The problem is that there's so many games out there, so many good games that are demanding of our attention that it's hard to give attention to even the mid-range games, you know. Yes, a problem, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the other game is, of course, Disgaea 6. It came out on June 29th, the latest in the long, long long-running series. Again, middling reviews. A lot of people weren't super happy with the Switch version for technical reasons, Nadia. Really? Yeah, it's got, it just isn't as good as Mm. its uh, counterpart on other consoles. And its main thing is that it's very, very similar to Disgaea 4. Five, not a lot has changed, but what has changed kind of invited some criticism from fans. And like you fight the same boss at the end of every chapter, it gets kind of boring. So I don't know, like Disgaea, I'm a I love tactics RPGs, but I Disgaea just doesn't uh just doesn't do it for me for some reason. I've never been I've never tried Disgaea. The only thing I know much about it is it has the printies. They say dude, and they're very cute. They do have penguins. Uh, super stylized anime, like a very manic sense of humor. Exactly, yeah. Mike loves them because he's Mr. Tactics RPG. I think both Mike and Eric are big fans of Disgaea, and I just never got into it. And it was one of those series like, oh, I'll get into it someday. But it's not high on my list of priorities because I'm a little fussy about Tactics games, and I just uh doesn't really speak to me on any sort of, Nadia's picky. Picky. I'm very picky. I'm old. I've got got to parasite my time properly, you know. 
Okay, Nadia, with that out of the way, what are you playing right now? I'm actually doing a review for Fanbyte. I am reviewing Monster Hunter Stories too. Ooh, exciting. Can you talk about it at all yet? I'm sure I can talk about it at least up to where the demo finishes because the demo is out. It's quite large. It gives you a really good slice of what the game is like. And yeah, it's the really interesting thing about Monsters Stories is that it's a great game for people who are really invested or really love the monster world world but maybe aren't so good at the whole action aspect of the game um it still has a lot of the like the the has all the monsters it has the settings it has the items it has like even in battle you can break off pieces of monsters uh, bodies and use them for forging equipment it's really really good i like it very much so far and if i have any complaints it's the fact that big surprise on the switch it <laughs> the open areas are a little bit chuggy the frame rate is consistent, but it's not high. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you're getting a consistent 30 frames per second there. Maybe consistent 20, 24. Yeah, Kat's shaking her head at me. Yeah, that's definitely a no. What would you say, Kat? Do you, do you oh, have it better... definitely chugs. I've been playing the demo too. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Even in the village, it can get... Uh, if you're playing on handheld, I haven't played it docked yet. It can chug pretty hard. Uh, it's quite... It's quite pretty, or actually, I would say that the graphics can be really variable. Like they put a lot of effort into the characters and to the monsters, but the environments eh, up and down. Yeah. I would say, yeah. But the battle scenes are fantastic. Like mm. they're just excellent, and the amount of variety that's gone into the monsters' animations. And like I actually pulled off a. I was with a uh, another character, and we both kind of did the ride on move at the same time, and even that had its own animation that just looks spectacular. Like every special move that the monster has looks great. They're funny actually. They're they're creative. They're powerful. You feel good pulling them off. So overall I'm really enjoying myself. My only real complaint is that that chuggy chug chug. I think the funny thing about Monster Hunter Stories too is that it basically confirms that the hunters are the bad guys. Something yeah. that we've known all along. <laughs> the hunters are kind of hanging around the opening village and they're just like, oh my God, Arathalos, let's kill it. Even though they're supposed to be there on a peace mission. Yeah, the the hunters show up. They completely mess with Arathalos that's just minding his own business. Typical monster hunter. And then they start a whole dang chain reaction and start your entire quest. And your person in your village even comes out and says, hey, what are you doing, you stupid hunters? We're freaking riders here. Monsters are friends, not clothes. Not food. Oh, I was going to say not food, but not clothes. You're right. And they're like, yeah, they really get a stick up their ass about the Rathalos being there. It's the Guardian Rathalos is not doing anything. It's, it botches over everyone's village. And they go ahead and, and mess with it. And that starts a chain reaction of like all the Rathalos kind of flee the island. The water turns red. There's got to be an evil omen of some kind, I'm just saying. So thanks, Hunters. Thanks a lot. This just confirms that the monsters are your friends all along. You ride them. They're cute. They're helping you out. You don't have to kill them. I still kick the hell out of them because, I mean, well, they get up in my grill. If they get up in my grill, I'm going to have to kill them. just saying. <laughs> Jesus, Nadia. <laughs> but this gets back to... A kind of a, an issue with the premise that Monster Hunter has had all along, which is that Capcom has never really been able to justify why the heck you're just going out and murdering these majestic beasts. And it's just something I can't get over with because so many of them are gorgeous, except for Kezu. I hate them. But oh, Kezu's ugly as hell. Kezu's gross. Ugh. But I love Monster Hunter Rise. I put like 200 hours into that game. I've 
Uh, it's probably my favorite game of uh, 2021 so far. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I just feel intense guilt fighting these majestic video game beasts. Yeah, I have to say the creativity that Capcom puts into each and every monster design, like how they move, how they eat, how they reproduce, all of that. Like they all, it's all listed there, like in their little monsterpedias, and it has some really, really, really interesting designs. I absolutely love it. As for Monster Hunter Stories 2, I've been playing the demo, as I already mentioned. So here's what I like about it. I do like the battle system. I think the rock, paper, scissor element's kind of interesting. It does feel a little hit and miss, like almost like a mm -hmm. guessing game, I guess you could say. And it feels like there's a fair number of moving parts. It's almost like they put in a lot of mechanics just for the sake of having mechanics. But mm -hmm. it does hang together in a way that I find pretty entertaining. And I like the idea of being able to get more and more powerful monsters uh, that are going to be able to hang out with you, like hatching eggs and that everything, yeah. taking on quests. It's very faithful to Monster Hunter at large, down to the way that you can like knock monsters over and start doing critical hits on them, just like you can do in the regular game. It feels like a true offshoot of it Monster does. Hunter and that they put a lot of thought into it. The things that I'm not so sure about are that um, I'm not sure I like the actual art style, Nadia. I like it. I know what they had to yeah. do for the Switch. And I think it looks really good. Like I said before, the monsters look fantastic. And you can really tell the Switch is doing its damn best. I mean, all hats off to Capcom. I know they probably couldn't have gotten that overworld to run smoothly. They really did their best. God damn, the Switch Pro needed to be out like a year ago. Yeah, it's more than that, though. I Okay, so it reminds me of Yokai Watch. It has a real level five feel to it in a lot of ways in a way that feels very young to me. So I don't think so. I think it's a little richer than Yokai Watch. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Like it it feels kind of kitty. Mm -hmm. uh, and it feels like it's trying to capture that Pokemon feel, but for whatever reason, Pokemon even though it's for kids and has a that distinct Japanese animation style where you're it's obviously trying to appeal to kids who are like 8 to 12 maybe. It has never felt overbearing in the in that way whereas games that try to be pokemon like frankly monster hunter stories too kind of do so i don't know like i don't hate it um a lot of the times i like the monsters and everything um but i just find that the i'm very mixed on the art style i don't know i can't say i found it really kitty or anything like that i think it's it looks like a game that's cell shaded it looks more like breath of the wild to me than anything Oh, I don't think it looks anything like Breath of the Wild. I think Breath of the Wild looks way better than this game. Oh, much Breath more of the Wild subtle, is... much more subtle in its cell shading and everything. Yeah, Breath of the Wild, if nothing else, has much much better environments. But uh, yeah, I still think the monster designs are, are great and the character designs are fine. But I I don't know. Like I am thinking about uh, continuing on with it. I was also playing the Neo: The World Ends with You demo. Oh yeah, how's that? You know, it's there are some Switch games that are obviously better docked than on mm -hmm. the TV. Like, The World Ends With You is much better docked on oh, the that's TV interesting. than it is in handheld, in my opinion. Like, I think it's pretty good mm -hmm. both ways, but it's the kind of game that I just want to play on my TV. The World Ends With You is such a handheld game. It right. is such a handheld game. And it, it doesn't even try to hide it. I like initially ragged on the, the art style a bit. I was just like, I don't know, this looks kind of dated. This is annoying to me. Not anymore. I like it now. <laughs> I like that's great. <laughs> I like Neo, the world ends with you. I like the music. 
I like the characters. I'm like already into it. It's bringing me right back to 2007. Yes, it looks kind of dated. Don't care. I'm into it. I mean, why is it better docked? Oh, no, not docked. Undocked in handheld. Oh, sorry. I thought you said it's better docked. I'm like, I did say docked. I misspoke. I prefer it. This is a handheld game. This is a portable game, right? Good, because I was going to put it on my Switch Lite, and it's like, I don't want to put it on my regular Switch. It looks rather pretty, too. Yeah. It's um, undocked. I haven't seen any technical problems or anything. Uh, Yeah, like it kind of captures the flavor of the original Nintendo DS game. Um, I haven't really had an opportunity to actually try out the the combat or anything like that Mm -hmm. but from almost from the moment that i started up i was like oh no i'm in (laughs) (laughs) you're back i'm back i've heck i've been wanting a world ends with you sequel for god knows how long so i finally got one just when i stopped caring there you go square knows exactly what to do sometimes yay Finally, Nadia, I also downloaded Fantasy Star from Sega Ages. And holy cow, Sega Ages does... M2 does such a good job with these games, with the the packaging, the presentation, everything. Wow. So now you probably understand why I'm a little bit irritated. We never got Fantasy Star 2 by them, or 3 or 4. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have loved... I would have loved loved that so much. 4 would have been such a a gift, right? Yeah. The remake does so much to make what's actually a very good old RPG, make it much more playable. That's the problem with the original Fantasy Star, though, is that, and this might be something that keeps it out of the pantheon, we'll guess mm. we'll have to see, is that I think it has been surpassed by Fantasy Star 2 and Fantasy Star 4, and like I wouldn't pick it as the representative of the series by a long shot, uh, but I guess we're going to find out. I will say that the second that I booted it up, I was like, I dig this. Yep, I like the yeah. 3D, uh, I like the 3D mazes, I like the music, I like the... Uh, manga-like uh, kind of cutscenes and everything where the people are talking. This is good. Yeah. As much as I love Dragon Quest, uh, Fantasy Star, the way it looks and feels, feels like it's so much advanced compared to the, uh, the you know, like the really primitive look of Dragon Quest on the Famicom. The original, the original Dragon Quest looks so dated. It looked like a game from 1986, right? Whereas yeah. Yeah. this game definitely, like it's board, it feels like 12-bit. It's like halfway between 8 and 16-bit. No, you're right. Uh, I would say one thing that might keep it out of the Pantheon is if you're considering it in the context of when it originally came out, those 3D mazes are really cool, but without a map, they would be unplayable, in my opinion. Yep. Well, that's going to be the subject of our next Pantheon episode. And also on that note, uh, the Pantheon episode for Shimigami Tensei 3 Nocturne is out this Wednesday. Also this Wednesday, so... Please look forward to that. Please go listen for our $10 patrons. Okay, Nadia, let's jump over to the news. Top story, Final Fantasy Pixel Remake. It's going to be out later this month. It's going to be released in... uh, It's going to be released separately. Each game will be separate, but there's also a bundle for Final Fantasy 1 through 6 that will cost you $75. Yay. Yeah, as I understand it, 1, 2, and 3 are coming out later this month. 4, 5, and 6 are either August or September. I don't remember. That rhymes. But yeah, I'm not overly interested in 1, 2, and 3. I get a little bit about 3, because 3, of course, hasn't been 2D before. I, I want 4 and 6. That's the ones that my eyes are on those prizes. I think I will pick up 3. Um, mm, I've already finished 1. I finished 1 with Donna Souls. I know Donna Souls was different from your classic Final Fantasy 1, but I feel like I got the vibe. Like I was like, okay, I'm good. But 3 is 1... 
that I never really appreciated. This is the one that's unique and interesting because this is the first time we're getting a 2D version in um, English. And I don't know. Um, I've always been kind of in and around Final Fantasy III. Uh, I like the music a lot, actually. Yeah. I'm intrigued to try out the proto-job system that would become find its final form in Final Fantasy V. I know it's quite hard. Um, I wonder if they add quality of life improvements and that kind of thing, especially for the uh, the final dungeon, which is extremely brutal. It might be, heck, I might even try it just because of... It's funny, 3, which is so scant on story, is the basis for Shadowbringers, which, of course, is one of the best Final Fantasy stories ever told, so... Nice little contrast there. Everybody was also ragging on the fonts. <laughs> Square Enix has a problem when it comes to its mobile and Steam fonts. I I don't I can't identify what font they're using for those uh, Arial something really 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 basic, and that makes people so mad. And it happens every single time they do a re-release. They always do the most terrible fonts. People call it the, the RPG Maker font. I would say like RPG Maker's fonts are better. No sense of kerning. Nothing that... I know nothing about fonts. I know this is terrible. I know this is an affront to God. It's just the the dialogue boxes that are like mostly blue because there's the text is so small and barely fills it. It's just, why? Why so ugly? You did this with Chrono Trigger and everyone yelled and you fixed it. So are you going to fix this too? Because everyone's going to yell. Find the fonts. Fix the fonts, Square. So fix the this fonts. I'll say about... Final Fantasy Pixel Remake. I will buy them and I will play them on Steam. And you know what? I think people are being too harsh on these remakes because they replace the god-awful Final Fantasy 5 and 6 mobile ports that came out on Steam. They are being delisted on the same day as Final Fantasy 1, 2, and 3 are released. They look much better. I like how detailed they are. They have a remixed, like they have a completely new version of the soundtrack by Nobuo Uematsu. That's awesome. That's like, it's it's worth its weight in gold just by itself. And no, it does not look as good as the Final Fantasy IV on PSP once did, the complete collection. But also, let's give it a chance because they're clearly trying to clean up the originals as much as possible and have something resembling the definitive version of these games and that is a noble venture to me so let's let's give square just a little bit of a break yeah i'm mostly positive on these remakes i actually was quoted in an article about uh them by patrick klepek at uh was it waypoint that uh, yeah vice vice games yeah vice vice games sorry and my opinion is yes other than the fonts i think the sprites look good and I feel like sprites in the 16-bit era, they really were built for televisions. They do have a certain depth that, yes, that these new sprites do not have, but the new sprites look so much cleaner. They have to. It's an HD... We're looking at HD displays here. We're looking at a younger generation that appreciates pixel art, but doesn't really probably want to look at the really kind of uh, colorful, weird blotches that you get from these sharp 16-bit sprites. So I understand where they're coming from. And my viewpoint is, well, again... We have so many pixel games that look fantastic. They're not done in the style of those 16-bit games, even though we say they are, but they're really not done in the way that's meant to like be displayed on CR television, so it's, it is quite different. And these all look good. I mean, Stardew Valley is literally Final Fantasy VI's style. Those sprites look great. They're the same idea. They're clean, just easier to see on an HD display. I love that they'll be in 
Yeah, let's yeah, get them a exactly. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I wish they'd fix the fonts. Maybe they will. I'm pretty sure that'd be a much easier fix than anything else. But yeah. People are just salty because it's not on Switch. I'm a little bit mad about that. But you know what? I have an iPad. I'm going to use it. What are you going to do? There's a degree of salt because A, it's not a complete update like Octopath Traveler or something like that. Like a full super remake, I guess, is what people were hoping for on Nintendo Switch and all that. And admittedly... When we were talking about the rumors, like it was being hyped up as being maybe more than we ultimately got. But what were, if you set expectations properly, I think this looks like a really great package. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it because uh, finally just getting definitive editions of Final Fantasy 4 and 6 that are in a place. And it, it, taking all these old games, giving them a uniform look, a uniform mechanics, uniform soundtrack, and putting them all in one place where we can find them. That's very good, no matter how you look at it. Well, let's keep running through the news really quickly, Nadia. We're getting a free-to-play mobile mana game, Boo, you say, and a new console mana game, yay? Yeah, yeah. There was some mana news. I think it was the 30th anniversary last week of Secret of Mana series, Deacon Sensetsu. And yeah, we are getting a mobile mana game, uh, Echoes of Mana. And what it is, uh, I don't know what it is. They haven't really said one way or the other yet, but it does seem to involve... Uh, getting characters together from previous mana games. So in other words, Gashapon City. I'll probably go for it because I'm an idiot. And we're also getting a console mana game. Don't know anything about that yet. They said they're not ready to show anything yet, but there will be soon. Uh, please look forward to it. Also, I think we're getting an anime, uh, Legend of Mana Something Something, that uh, uh, I guess is a television series. That would be kind of cool. The Legend of Mana, the Teardrop Crystal. So... Uh, don't know much about Legend of Mana, but I mean, if they are going in the same kind of style that Legend of Mana was in, in terms of the art, I'm looking forward to it. They've been, they've had an artist, uh, I don't know, I think his alias is Hassan, and he's just fantastic. Who's done, he's done all the the work for Secret of Mana and the Mana series in general since, gosh, the remake at least, or sorry, the iOS remake back in 2010, which again is probably the best version of the mana of secret of mana and we have not got it on consoles or anywhere real through line i might add about art and art styles in this particular episode yeah uh, a little bit just a bit it's always a hot topic do you have any optimism whatsoever about the console version nadia sure i mean why not hang on to your optimism trials of mana was actually good i enjoyed it very much i know it's a remake of uh seeing Tetsu 3 but it was a good one the original uh, remake of Secret of Mana, that was, of course, kind of bad, but it looks like they took lessons they learned from that remake and made it a much better Trials of Mana remake. So whatever we get next, I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoy action-adventure RPGs, so if they give me something that's just kind of makes it fun to hack and slash through a bunch of uh, rabbites, I'm good. What's the best possible scenario for this uh, for this council mana game? Oh, let's just say, I don't know, uh, an actual playable version of Adventures of Mana or Legend of Mana, or whichever one's the one that I'm always getting angry about. Basically take that art style from the PlayStation and transfer it to a game that actually, like, you know, plays like Secret of Mana or Trials of Mana or even, like, Adventure of Mana. I'm good. Okay. More news. Nadia, I interviewed the Final Fantasy VII remake folks, uh... Motomu Toriyama and Naoki Hamaguchi, who I believe were the directors on Intergrade, which is the PS5 update. I was having to 
juggle all kinds of nonsense names because it's a Square Enix uh, project. So episode intermission, intergrade with lots of weird punctuation. You know how it is. Keeps it on your toes, Kat. You should go read the interview over on IGN, which is my day job. Uh, Some interesting uh, hints about part two, including it sounds like Wu-Tai will be a thing that we get to see at a certain point. But more interesting, they keep hinting that there will be a vast world to explore in part two. Yeah, isn't that exciting? I think that's what everybody just wants. Everyone just wants to go to Calm, take the walk over to Calm. I believe the quote is that with part two, they are looking for ways to leverage the vast world for the game, leverage the vast world for the gameplay. So hmm. I'm like, oh, interesting. Leverage I the vast world. I wonder if that means they're just shoving everything else into part two, calling it done. No, no, no. I think it's going to be going for at least the rest of the decade, pretty much. <laughs> I, and well, I'm not joking is- either. I think this series will be going until almost 2030. You know what? It makes sense. I'm sure it'll kind of accompany the PlayStation 5 uh, as it ages, which which will be kind of cool. Uh, something to look forward to while the ocean's on fire. Yay. Oh, God. <laughs> Nadia. Sorry. I'm trying to podcast about RPGs here. Don't freaking bum me out. It's okay. They put it out. <laughs> they put out the fire on the water. Good. <laughs> well, unfortunately, oh. my state's on fire again, so. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, we had a town in Canada that just burnt to the ground. It doesn't exist anymore. Jesus. Sorry. sorry. It's summertime. Yay. Yay. Summertime. Talking about RPGs while the water's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Age and Mass Effect are skipping EA Play, Nadia. Are you sad? No. I don't even know what EA Play is. EA Play is... Okay, so EA is doing like a month of events. It's like the month of EA. Oh, boy. Just what everyone wants. Just say that in your head. The month of EA. (laughs) It's the... uh, So they're doing the quote-unquote future of FPS panel. And then another day, like a week later, they're doing uh, sports. And then they're doing more sports. Oh, boy. (laughs) And they're also doing EA Hearts Indies. Oh, I'm sure they do. We also learned this week that apparently Once Upon a Time, Bioware prototyped a Mass Effect spinoff for Nintendo DS. Oh, now that's interesting. Uh, Instead, we got Sonic Chronicles. (laughs) There's your Mass Effect spinoff, everyone. (laughs) And get this, Nadia. It would have been like Privateer or Star Control. Oh, come on. Yeah, you would have been exploring the galaxy like on your own in the ship. Doesn't that sound amazing? Well, I mean, yeah, Star Control is amazing, so that would have been great. But EA was like, sorry, the economics of this is really bad. You're probably only going to sell like 50,000 copies on the Nintendo DS. Yeah, EA is not a fan of the Nintendo DS. That is actually considered to be the reason why maybe Sonic Chronicles sucks so bad, because EA kind of bought Bioware in the middle of production. And it's, it's speculated that EA pulled the funding or just stopped supporting the game or something and they ran out of budget ran out of manpower and what you got was what you got unfortunately and they did their best under the circumstances well this would have been right around the time that the ds was getting just crushed by piracy as well right right oh it got murdered by piracy i can see why ea might have been a little bit hesitant about that but yeah for more info please go back to our console rpg quest for the nintendo ds Yes, that was a good Speaking one. of handhelds, Nadia, the PSP 
will live on, sort of. You'll be able to download like the 35 games that are available on the PS3 and Vita still. Can't download in-game items, that kind of thing. You just download the games. But hey, they're still there. There's still a shell. There's still a heartbeat, a faint, faint heartbeat. If you really hate the Pixel Remasters, the Final Fantasy IV Collection is still there. And it has the after years. You know you want to play it and suffer. You know you want it. You want to do it. I, I committed a great crime, Nadia. Um, over at IGN, they were putting together a face-off of all of the Final Fantasy characters. And they're like, Kat, we're not missing anything. And I'm like, you're missing the after years. <laughs> And so I inflicted the after years on everybody. You're welcome. Good for you. There, I'm, you know, to be fair, a lot of the characters are just recycled from four. There are a few new ones, though. Nadia, the Elder Scrolls Six is still in the design phase. So it's going to be a while before we play this game. Yeah, I hope you like that title screen because that's all you're getting for a long time. Well, we're going to get Starfield next year and you'll never see me again because I'm going to go live in space with my space girlfriend, space vampire, that kind of thing. <laughs> space vampire werewolf. If you could have like, you know, if you could like marry space vampires and space werewolves, maybe I'll be in. I bet you can. This is you sh- I, there's, there's got to be totally Bethesda. We're talking. This about. is Bethesda. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could like marry. You could, you could court one werewolf brother. And then forget, oh, no, I actually wanted to court his brother and then leave the other one at the altar and marry <laughs> marry the one you meant to marry. Because <laughs> I had a friend who did that, a friend of a friend. They married the wrong werewolf. They meant to marry Farkas. So they, they ditched their brother at the altar and married Farkas right there. And their brother, Vilkas, is like, I never want to see you again. So much <laughs> Skyrim drama. I love it. These are why the these are the best RPGs ever made. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's like, Only Skyrim gives you stories like that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Skyrim's coming out. Or Elder Scrolls Six is out till twenty twenty five at the earliest. That's uh, hmm, that is quite far away. Well, think about it. They were in pre production in twenty eighteen. Okay, mm. so they hadn't really even properly started at that point. So if you think about it, Fallout, Fallout, the difference, the distance between Fallout Three and Fallout Four was about seven years, like two thousand eight right. to twenty fifteen. So in this case, it'll be about seven years between starting up production, which is when Fallout 4 started production in like 2008, all the way till 2015. So yeah, yeah. 2025, fair. please look forward to it. Please look forward to it. They do have Microsoft's money, so maybe they can pump more resources into it. But it's... Microsoft's in no hurry. They've got a Avowed and that game That's from true. Brian Fargo's studio that I can never remember and a bunch of others, Outer Worlds 2, Fable. Mm. They're pumping them out. They got all the first part. I love that Phil Spencer was like, no, Avowed is very different from Elder Scrolls Six. How? 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 Well, uh, for starters, <laughs> it's in the Pillars of Eternity universe. <laughs> then you hear him like running. You hear a car door slam. You hear a screech of tires and an airplane takes off in the background. <laughs> that was also from IGN. So the po- congratulations to Podcast Unlocked on getting their 500th episode. That's a busy, busy time over there at IGN. Very busy over at IGN. Oh, and speaking of Bethesda and Fallout, rest in peace to River, the real-life dog who inspired dog meat. It's so sad. What a sad story. I didn't know that dog, like, was it a German Shepherd? Yeah, it was a German Shepherd. There's a great thread over on Twitter, very wholesome, about River and how uh, River was just hanging out with the design team while they were working on the game. And 
they got lots of foley from river and they were constantly watching rivers like behaviors and everything because their goal was to make river more than just basically a canine weapon as it were mm -hmm. they wanted river or dog meat to feel like your your what your actual buddy right your your animal companion and I think they were pretty successful in that. I felt like dog meat did feel like a real dog when dog meat wasn't glitching out. So <laughs> they actually, Bethesda actually pulled one of the smartest uh, marketing moves with the breakout trailer for Fallout 4 when you had that footage of dog meat wandering through his home looking for his masters. That was so sad. Oh, I lost dog meat for a long period of time because of a glitch. <laughs> Where did he go? I don't know. Like, I didn't. I was like, where did I leave dog meat? No, dog meat, come home. I'm just imagining dog meat having his own adventures somewhere on the other side of the world. And you're like wondering where he went. And he's like saving babies and burning buildings or radioactive wastelands or whatever. <laughs> then he comes back to you like, oh, where you been, dog meat? It's like Laddie from The Simpsons. Just exactly cut of, uh, of dog meat around the world in fallout just saving everything but eventually i was able to build the dog house and uh dog me came home spawned in oh the dog boy house. Hooray. here's my dog house hooray i was gonna say this is probably gonna go over your head but i was gonna make a reference to, to uh, the littlest hobo which is a canadian show about a german shepherd that goes around the world has no home and solves like crimes and problems it's kind of like lassie if lassie like didn't have a farm so there you go you had the littlest hobo on your hands for a bit and to conclude news, Nadia, on actually a very somber note, um, we recently had a really terrible tragedy in the emulation community um, when a person going by the name of Mir slash Bu, um, I believe they identified as genderqueer. They were using they, them pronouns, mm. so I will respect that. But um, unfortunately, they took their own lives, which was really horrible. Um, there was a really serious case of internet bullying that was happening um, from Kiwi Farms. And uh, they were an incredibly, by all accounts, incredibly talented um, programmer. There were a lot of tributes, very moving tributes. Um, Patrick Klepik, we already mentioned his name once mm -hmm. in this episode, did a wonderful tribute over at Vice Games. Um, for RPG fans, it was Bu who was responsible for the fan translation of Bahamut Lagoon, which is one of their favorite games. So, uh, terrible loss. I think what I think they basically made it like a perfected version of the translation because the original yeah. was quite old and had some problems. Mm -hmm. For the life of me, I'll never understand why someone would purposely hurt someone else just for, for kicks. Like, it just doesn't register with me. I don't know how anyone can do it. Yeah, the internet is can be a really horrible place. It can be a very great place. You know, mm -hmm. like when I look at our Discord, I feel super happy about how wholesome and nice everybody is to one another. But I think that there are a lot of, frankly, really disturbed and very angry people out there. And the only thing, the only way they can feel anything or get their kicks is by torturing people. And that's yeah. what they did. It, it It's really, really terrible. But I... I think that Nier deserves to be remembered for their incredible talent. And they were so meticulous in the work that they did um, on BSNES, which was uh, later renamed to, I believe, Higan. Um, mm -hmm. They were based out of Tokyo. Um, yeah, just a lot of moving tributes. Very, 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 very sad. So I, I don't mean to end on a down note, but I think that it's like a piece of news that needs to be yeah, acknowledged. Yeah, absolutely. So just... Be kind to other people. Be kind to one another. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how miserable you are, uh, just remember 
you live on a planet in the middle of space and there's no one coming to rescue us. So be good, be your best self. I well said, Nadia. Yeah. Be kind. Please be kind. Okay. Let's continue on to the mid-year RPG checkup. Don't go away. There's a voice that keeps on calling me down the road. It's where I'll always be. Every stop I make, I make a new friend. Can't stay for long, just turn around and I'm gone again. Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on. Okay, Nadia, it is the middle of 2021. We're in July. A lot of RPGs have come out so far. We've got a big old list of them. Like, there are more than like, more than a dozen at this point. Nadia, I guess I'm just going to start with the, the big question. What's your favorite one so far? You know, there's a lot I have given a lot of time to. Uh... Really enjoying Monster Hunter stories too, as I've already mentioned, but that's kind of new. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Bravely Default 2. I spent a lot of time with Monster Hunter's Rise. I kind of got distracted on that one because I had to switch over to a game I was reviewing. Ease 9 is probably my favorite so far. I really enjoyed that a whole lot. Um, I, I enjoyed Shin Megami uh, Nocturne 3, even though I didn't finish it. I probably won't because it is. we actually go into this in great detail on the Pantheon of the Blood God. But it did hype me up for 5, which is also coming out this year. So we're not considering covid it's a miracle we even got this many rpgs and so many of them are good so yeah that's my viewpoint on everything right now some of the most notable games have been ports or remasters remakes mass effect legendary edition smt3 nocturne near replicant um i guess that's just where we are these days yeah yeah but there's a i mean ease nine was a good one although that's a sequel uh we were just talking about uh Sorry, what was the name of that Bandai Namco game? Scarlet. Scarlet Nexus. There you go. Scarlet Nexus, new IP right there. Getting a new uh, world. And even in cases where we're getting sequels, like uh, Neo, The World Ends With You. God, how long has it been since that game came out? It practically may as well be new. So long. There you go. So long. Nadia, why was Ease 9 probably your favorite game so far? Well, I like Ease games to begin with, and I just had a great time zipping around everywhere. It had more of an emphasis on story than previous Ease games, and the story was good. The characters were good. There was certainly a, a strong thread, a story thread about adoption and how basically legitimizing it as a means of making a family, which I, I really appreciated. So I just thought it was a really good Ease game. I know it's on Switch now. I don't know if it runs like crap, so maybe look into that before you commit. But it runs great on the PlayStation. Actually, it has some problems on the PlayStation 4 initially but they fixed those probably runs great on the five. So there you go. Yeah. We did a full review of it a few months ago when it initially came out here on the podcast. So go yeah. check that out. I wrote the, I wrote the IGN review for that too. You did write the IGN review. I did. For that, Nadia. We both have our bylaws on IGN. Yay. Oh, yay. Synchronicity. Did you like uh vampire Adele or whatever? Vampire or Adele. Adele. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was saying Adele. <laughs> Adel. The Crimson, excuse me, he's called the Crimson King. Thank you very much. That's so great. <laughs> Prog Rock, baby. Yeah, I loved him. I think my favorite game so far this year, or at least RPG, is probably Monster Hunter Rise, if you want to call it an RPG. I've put a lot of hours into that game. It's gorgeous. It's one of the best looking games on the Nintendo Switch. I, it has really solidified the Monster Hunter series as one of my favorites around. 
the combat is so smooth and so enjoyable. I really enjoy the the co-op gameplay. Uh, we're just now finally at the... We finished off the Elder Dragon content. We're up to um, Ibushi and Narwa or whatever, like the twin dragons. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to doing some Apex hunts. I uh, managed to maximize my armor and my weapons. I'm a, I've been wielding a switch axe mostly, though I also have uh, been using a bow because bows are broken. It occurs to me that Monster Hunter Rise is basically intended to be the, you know, it's kind of a make good for the Japanese audiences in a lot of ways who are annoyed by Monster Hunter World. It is much more of a kind of a pure vision of what Monster mm-hmm. Hunter typically is. Works very well with the, the portability of the Switch. I'm just really impressed by the quality of this uh, particular version. I was really afraid that the series would lose a lot in going over to Switch after the grandeur of Monster Hunter World. And actually, as it turns out, it hasn't lost that much at all. No, in fact, the streamlining did the series a lot of favors, I think. I found World, even though that's touted as the more friendly of the Monster Hunter games, I think uh, Rise was the one that really made it accessible to all audiences. I think the 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 zipline doesn't get enough credit. I thought that was a lot of fun to use. I agree. I think the zipline is a blast, actually, because it inc- it's incorporated into special attacks that are really fun to use and are activated with all of the various weapons. It's fun to just zip around the different map. It's fun to zip out of individual attacks from monsters. I I do think that riding a monster and attacking while visually impressive is a little one dimensional. <laughs> From a mechanical <laughs> standpoint, like, it totally is. I can do it though. I can bash a monster into a cliff face. Watch me do it. I did it. I did it. I'm right. I'm a champion. It's so much fun though to grab a monster and then just ride them halfway across the map to find. <laughs> yeah. And the monster's like, "What are you doing?" And it's like, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you kind of invade a monster who's just minding his own business and you run and yeah, an, and you just an show Oroks up riding it. a freaking Rathalos, and they're like, yeah. "Oh God." <laughs> I've had like moments where I've been stalking a monster on the map and I I I like daggers best of all and I just kind of leap in dramatically and it's like oh shit it's the wrong monster and you realize that just as you're falling on his back. <laughs> That's funny. And then you die because it's way too powerful. They said it couldn't be done, but Capcom finally managed to make Monster Hunter something resembling mainstream in North America. All it took was getting it off the PlayStation Vita or the PlayStation Portable. <laughs> All it took was getting it onto systems that Americans own. Who knew? Yeah, turns out, though, I mean, people weren't even really playing it on the 3DS ultimately. That's true. It had a strong cult following over here, but I wouldn't say that like it hit critical mass until Monster Hunter World came out. Yeah, I don't want to say it like this, but I feel like it wasn't taken seriously until it was like on a big boy console and people saw these photorealistic animals and said, okay, that's pretty cool. And they gave I mean, it, it was gorgeous. Gave it, a try. it was. It was very gorgeous. I wish there were more turf wars in Monster Hunter Rise, but you can't have everything. I saw a really cool one when I was fighting Tiastra, fighting, mm-hmm. and it got into a turf war with a. It starts with a, it's like Mag something, Magnamolo or something like that. He's the mascot monster of Monster Hunter Rise. And oh, yeah. it was such a cool moment when they basically did an atomic drop from the sky with one That's another. Cool. You're just like, holy cow. <laughs> I'm going to stay out of the way now. You, you kids have fun. There's actually a Mega Man X mobile game called Rockman X Dive. And it's coming to America. It's actually in, t- in testing phase right now. And it has a bunch of crossover events. And right now it's having a crossover event with uh, Monster Hunter. So Mega oh. Man X can get the Rathalos armor. I think that's really cool, actually. 
Monster Hunter World had a lot of crossover events with like The Witcher and stuff. I'm kind of surprised that there aren't more with Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah, had a great one with Final Fantasy XIV. Like you can get a mm. Rathalos mount. I still don't have that, but you can get a Palico. I have a Palico. And in Monster Hunter, you could hunt a Behemoth. Like that was a great event. And the Behemoth was one of the coolest and toughest bot battles in that entire game. And frankly, like they did such an amazing job with the quests, uh, the Final Fantasy quests where you're chasing after a cactar and then he made a moogle and then one of the one of the frick the monster that carries the egg around i can remember his name gets a crystal and he just keeps getting bigger <laughs> that's so good i was hoping that there'd be uh some events with rise but um haven't seen anything yet maybe we soon. shall see I know- um i mean they just finished up the main game basically so i expect we'll get more content down the road but yeah that's right they kind of had to release the game in a sort of finished state not quite a little bit baked COVID, a little more baking you know, yeah is what it is yeah hard to be too mad about it no it came out great another rpg that i wouldn't mind hi- highlighting is bravely default 2 a game that shockingly gave me hours and hours and hours of entertainment i could not believe how much i ended up loving bravely default 2 i'm surprised at how much you love bravely default 2 but then again it's so systems based that i guess in a way I'm, i shouldn't be surprised but it's not just systems based it's the the boss battles are so fun in this one mm-hmm. each one and it's a little uh, shin megami tensei 3 nocturne is kind of similar in that way but the battle systems are like you know or the boss battles are like puzzles that you have to kind of unlock yeah. and finding the right combination of job classes and everything um leveling up the job class combinations finding the right combinations is really addictive and it's capped off by again getting back to the the main theme of this episode it's art and then just cue everybody go yeah <laughs> <laughs> this little kiwi's playhouse kind of situation yeah, the screaming the art of that game was actually really good like you look at the weird muppet people and you go is that art what the hell but no the costumes were so good in bravely default too you just want to unlock them because it made your characters look so good every like you think about the effort they put into those costumes alone like every single character had the costume tailored to themselves like i still love how for the Beastmaster, like the girls one of the girls had like a little hood with cat ears and um, elvis had like an actual like kitsune outfit like it was just amazing and the the final boss battles are really intense and really fun there's good post-game content the credits roll like three times no, it is. Uh, I, I recommend it easily. Even if, you know, they say the story wasn't good. I actually like parts of the stories. I can't remember the name of that that girl who was the, who you got the Beastmaster asterisk from, but she was oh, very sad. Great. She was had, she had a very, very sad story very that I, I liked. Yeah, she yeah. is very cute, isn't she? She has her little friends and everything. So the story was fine. I like the story. Gameplay is where it's king, though. And even though I am not huge into systems and jobs and stuff like that, something about Brave the Default, as you say, the mixing and matching of the jobs and the abilities is something about it is just so fun and addictive. I, I, I actually spent so much time just leveling up because it's a good game to just kind of listen to a podcast with hint and uh, play while you're uh, listening. Super grindy, extremely grindy, but not in a bad way. I, I don't know. It didn't really not in a me. way that's like super annoying. But you can like level up certain skills and really quickly mow down enemy bosses and. As long as you, if you upgrade the freelancer and if you get a specific item, like it's shocking how much XP you can get. Mm-hmm. And you can basically level up a whole class in almost one go toward the end of the game. Yeah, like they made it so that you can really expedite the process. Yeah, and then that makes it all the more in- enjoyable to try and mix and match. And 
find interesting combinations and everything. And then if you beat the enemies toward the end, you can unlock another tier for the classes. So it's just uh, it's just encouraging you to grind unto infinity. And honestly, if I had more time in my life, my life weren't ticking a ticking clock. <laughs> I would consider doing that, but I, I can't. I got all the enjoyment out of it. I finished the game. I was done, but damn, what a great experience. Yeah, if you have limited funds or time to spend on an RPG and you can only really get one, uh, you really can't go wrong with the default too. It'll give you just hours and hours of content. Nadia, I would also like to highlight the Final Fantasy VII Remake episode, Yuffie Spectacular, as you called it. <laughs> no, I called it the Yuffie-tacular. Have you, called, have you finished it yet? No, I, I haven't been able to play it yet. It's, you uh, gotta play it. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, I know I gotta play it. And my husband said, you gotta play it, because he watched me play Final Fantasy VII Remake. He really liked it. So he wants me to play the Yuffie episode. And I was like, yeah, I want to too. I am all done with it now. I have, I have rolled credits on it. I'm not going to spoil any of the surprises. They're worth seeing for yourself. But there are surprises, because it's Final Fantasy VII Remake. And it Running at 60 frames per second on the PS5, it looks so good. Oh my god. Like, that game runs like butter. I am looking forward to my PlayStation 4 not having to strangle itself just to get, like, <laughs> 30 frames per second out of cloud running or whatever. How long did the DLC take, would you say? Oh, like, four hours. It's very so, short. So yeah, it's, it's not long. Unless you put everything into Condor Fort, like I probably will. The Fort Condor minigame is actually pretty fun. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I've I love the original so much, and that was a piece of that was a piece of garbage. So I'm really looking forward to the new one. Like part one is majority spent in I think the sector seven slums, mm -hmm. and just kind of hanging out there. And then part two is more like Shinra headquarters and going. You're hanging out with this dude named Sonon for most of the game, and Sonon is basically the I don't know. Um, he deadpan snarks while mm -hmm. Yuffie is just like on. Double shot espressos all the time. <laughs> so he's the one there to peel her off the ceiling as necessary. Yes, <laughs> that's what yes. exactly what he exists to do is to peel her off the ceiling. Someone has to. But the battle system has been kind of uh, remixed a bit to account for the different styles. So you have, uh, so you can only control Yuffie, but you can sync up your attacks with him, and like you two go in at the same time, and then. The pair of you can also use uh, special attacks um, when you are synced up, and a lot of the strategy is built around that. It feels like you can do ridiculous amounts of damage. Um, you can get Rama. Um, you can nice. fight Rama like relatively early on. He's actually he's a pretty tough boss, and you definitely want to get Sonon before you attempt him. Though, of course, you could probably beat him if you're really, really good with Yuffie. You just so. got to protect yourself against lightning because he likes that lightning. It does kind of encapsulate some of the strengths and weaknesses of Final Fantasy VII Remake, in my view, which is to say that it's gorgeous. I enjoy the world building. It's visual. It's the way that it depicts the characters is so much fun. It shows uh, certain events from Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, from a different light, I want to say. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And, but at the same time, it also at times stay, overstays its welcome, like the... The actual encounter, encounter design, the battle, the dungeon design, you're just kind of going, wow, it's kind of lazy, actually. Yeah, but that was kind of the problem with the original, though, is mm -hmm. that uh, the dungeons were definitely padded. There's no argument there. But it, given what Square Enix had to work with and how everything went down, I think everything came out quite all right. Nadia, the padding, it's back. 
The padding is back, but it's four hours. How do you pad four hours? Oh, you always find a way to pad four hours. They found a way. They found <laughs> they a way. They found a way. But Life finds a way. Yuffie is so much fun in Final Fantasy VII Remake episode. Yuffie Tectacular. <laughs> Yuffie Tectacular. I have said it before, but I think her Moogle outfit is very cute. Oh, it's adorable. I actually I was sad one. when she took off the uh, the movie Moogle outfit, but she has such a great anime style sunburst sequence when she does. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh my goodness, I had no idea Yuffie was under there. I bet. Oh my goodness, Yuffie, please button your shorts. <laughs> oh, does she go around with her shorts on? <laughs> yes. She probably does. It was very of distracting. <laughs> you button up your shorts, they're right there. Did your mother not teach you anything? My mother's dead. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Yuffie, but uh, they uh, hats off to Square Enix once again. They were able to refresh Final Fantasy VII Remake, keep it top of mind with this really excellent DLC, and they just yeah. continue to, for the most part, do it right. I am definitely looking forward to the second part, or just learning more about it since hearing about that interview you did. Uh, sounds good, but I'm not going to get my hopes up too much because that's how your hearts get broken. That is how indeed your heart gets broken. Now, are there any other games on this list that you want to highlight? One thing that I did not get to play, but I was hearing a lot about, was Near Replicant. I can't remember if you got to play that. I played it a little bit, but not as much as I wanted to. Right, yeah. I've heard a lot of great things about that. I'm glad it got its second chance after kind of a, a thud the first time it arrived. Not only because it was rough, but also because, ha <laughs> ha, ew, anime. We live in a very different society now, thankfully. The society of weebs, like myself, I'm very happy about that. So I'm glad that got a another uh, shot at life, even though Yoko Taro probably feels very, um, I don't know what the word is to describe Yoko Taro, but it, it's something heavy. Interesting. <laughs> I've never met the fellow. I know Katie has. I have. Oh, have you? Yeah, I have a picture of myself with him somewhere wearing the mask and everything of course he's wearing the mask is he like I i've heard him describe himself as the grandfather who who everyone has given up on so they let him just work in the corner and he's okay with that it's, it's an like, interesting goofball <laughs> i absolutely adored his vision of what monster hunter rise would be oh just right with the like the, the twins like one of the twins anymore. will die he will need yeah. to turn her into a weapon then afterward <laughs> nobody will sing in the village again anymore and i'm like oh thank you yoko taro <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, him, people like him, him and like Junji Ito, who are completely messed in the head, but are just like the funniest, goofiest people you'll talk to. I love those kinds of people. Well, Nadia, can we talk about uh, the indies very quickly? Yes. There have been a handful of interesting indies that have come out. One of them that I reviewed for Rock, Paper, Shotgun before I took my current job was Omori. Came out in December, mm. but I consider it a 2021 game because it came out like at the end of December. And right. if you missed out on it for the first time, it's basically Earthbound. What if Earthbound, but very depressing? Right. I remember you talking about that game, and it did very much sound like Earthbound, but depressing, which Earthbound is depressing in its own special way. So, yeah, that's a, that's a real downer right there. All the indie games just want to be Earthbound. <laughs> I wrote a thing about that saying, please stop making your indie games earthbound. And I don't mean like, don't embrace the vision that this, the game puts out. Like, of course, some games do it perfectly. Like Undertale was a really knew what, what earthbound was about and it made it its own. But there was a real conundrum, real kerfuffle about a game that tried very, very hard to be earthbound. 
think it was called Y2K, but it was spelled like it, so it looked like Eek. Y2, was, uh, like with like a Roman numeral two. two. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a real piece of work, apparently. That was, there was a whole thing about that. And that was the same, that was the idea where you miss the point. Earthbound is not just about like, oh, ha ha, funny. We attack people with records and ice cream cones or whatever. There's a whole, whole like story behind it about, you know, just kind of comparing how kids think view the world versus adults. And that's a very important part of these, of mother and mother three and mother two. I don't want to tell Indies what to do. They already have a hard enough job, but yeah, uh, you can be earthbound. You absolutely can pull inspiration from earthbound, but uh, make it your own. But Omori is quite good. Yeah, I think you said that Omari gets it right, so that's okay. Yeah, I think Omari gets it right. Uh, the contrast between the real world and the the fantasy world is quite good. There are like interesting choices that you make throughout. The story is very grim. Holy mm-hmm. cows! The story extremely freaking grim, and um, it can go it goes places. I have to say. So yeah, I think I bought it, but I haven't played it. Yeah. So initially, it looks like a meditation on kind of depression but actually it's like it's a horror game <laughs> well depression is and horror do kind of go hand in hand it is way. actually a horror story yeah it's like quite messed up it's only on pc right i don't think it's on switch yet that's coming out on switch soon okay so it might just yeah, wait till it's it due to out come there. out on switch at some point um speaking of indies one that i forgot to put on the list and i'm just going to mention very quickly because i'm not sure if it's 2021 but i did play it on the switch a lot in 2021 was monster sanctuary which was that kind of pixel-based Pokemon game. And that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. I did kind of get stuck and mad at the game at a point, so I haven't gone back to it since, but I really enjoyed it for as long as I played it. Why'd you get stuck and mad? I don't know. There was a boss or something that I couldn't overcome. It was a real super boss, and I I think I just didn't have the right combination of monsters or a combination of skills. Maybe I had to grind a little bit more. I don't know. But either way, you know how it is. You get sidetracked, and you're like, I'll go back to this later. and Six months later, here you are. Six months later, you're like, I'll put this down for a minute. And then you get distracted by No Man's Sky for some reason. Or yeah. perhaps a total conversion of TIE Fighter for X-Wing Alliance. So was that a, a fan thing or is that like a thing that it's actually... It's a fan like, thing. Somebody wow. there's just total super mod. It's crazy. They even redid the soundtrack. And the soundtrack looks good. Sounds great. Some of the stuff that modders do is just like, well, I salute them all because that's a lot of time and effort, probably even money. And they just do it because they can. They can, and because it looks really good in their portfolio. It does, actually. Another RP, indie RPG that I was been really digging is Loop Hero. Oh, right. Yeah. That's, you yeah. were playing that, weren't you? Well, I guess RPG might be stretching it a little bit. It's more of a, how should I say it? More of a, almost like a strategy game or a, uh, <laughs> a tower defense game in some way, in its own weird way. But it is very RPG flavored. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've seen the trailers and it always looked interesting, but I never really, really had any major intention to dive into it. I didn't really know it was RPG flavored. Do you know what the, the, the premise is? Is that the one with the 12 minutes or no, I'm thinking something else completely. Loop Hero. Oh, okay. Loop Hero is something completely different. Yes. Okay. I know what Loop Hero is. Yeah. That was the one where you have like a minute or something to, uh, there is a loop indeed. as, you know, suggested in the name Loop Hero. and you're going around, and as you're going around, you see these monsters, and your character fights them. And then you can keep adding stuff to the map as you go. So the world is being built up, mm-hmm. and the buildings that you put down give you items and that kind of thing. And 
each time you complete a loop, um, like you heal and everything, but then you can try and do another loop and get even more prizes. And you can totally bail, but if you totally bail, you're going to lose some stuff. And if mm -hmm. you die, you'll lose even more stuff. So yeah. there are times where you'll just want to stop, you know, in the safety zone. So it becomes a, do I have it in me to make it through one last loop? And you're building your character on the fly. So um, you get loot as you're defeating monsters and you can kind of basically cobble together a character, a character build slash strategy as you go. And um, it becomes important. It, it becomes vital to build up your character properly because you're going to have some very hard encounters on this loop as you're going. So I guess in that sense, it's like a strategy RPG, like a real-time strategy RPG. There you go. I was thinking more as a roguelike, but I guess strategy there's a, RPG There's a roguelike too. element to it. Yeah. Because it's, it's an indie game. Every, every indie game has a roguelite element to it. Which they should. Roguelites are awesome. If you say so, they're all right. I say so. I mean, look at Hades. Hades. Okay. Well, then again, Hades just perfected it practically. I'm with you, Nadia. Row lights are awesome. There you go. See, that's the way it should be. Agreement perfected all the board. It did. But there are lots of secrets to discover, and the art is really charming and is so addictive. It sounds addictive. I I might have to give it a try. I'm actually going to house it for my parents next week or the week after the next, and I'm just going to bring my Switch. So I might just. I don't uh, think it's on Switch. Boo. Maybe I'll just bring just it on, on PC. PC. Sorry. Boo. Okay. PC well. Mafia. <laughs> PC Mafia. I'll find something. But I think play, I can actually. run on your laptop. Yeah, probably easily. No problem. It's like a really simple game. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. I And I think it just got a whole bunch of new content. So oh, There you go. You should go back to it. It, it might be RPG adjacent, but <clears throat> if we're talking about games with quote-unquote RPG elements, like the RPG, there is a very strong RPG thread throughout this whole game. It's like a tribute mm -hmm. to the entire genre. Right. So yeah, it's worth a shout out then, especially if you put so many hours into it. There's also Griftlands, which I tried to pick up, but wasn't really like feeling. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I bought it, but I haven't played it yet. Yeah, I, I, I did. I also bought it. And I think the thing is that while I like CCGs, like I have a hard time getting my head around them because there are so many moving parts. And so building mm -hmm. an actual competitive deck always feels a little bit beyond me. I think the thing that right. makes Slay the Spire super special is that I was able to play it and enjoy it, even though building a deck or like the draft gameplay felt a lot like too much for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, when I get into a card game, it has to be super simple. And Slay the Spire is very it deep but simple to really grasp onto. And uh, actually, a really good uh, card game, if you're kind of new to the whole thing, is uh, SteamWorld Quest, which isn't exactly as involved as other SteamWorld games, but it's a definitely a more friendly version of Slay the Spire with really charming characters. So I would recommend that if you're looking to get into card games. But I'm not someone who can play digital Yu-Gi-Oh with their RPGs and have a great time with it. The reason I think Slay the Spire clicked with me was maybe for the same reason that Bravely Default 2 clicked with me. It's because when I was fighting the bosses and mm -hmm. I had a really good build, I felt so powerful and so great, you know, and it felt like a traditional turn-based RPG, whereas Grifflands is quite complicated. Like you're negotiating with enemies, but then there's also fighting and then you're going around this world and it's hard to get my head around it to some extent. I know that there are people who really dig it, but yeah, um, Grifflands, like I, 
I picked it up and I was like, uh, it's not grabbing me. And then I put it down. <laughs> like, I am so, I am so spoiled because I get all these games. And if it really, if it does not grab me immediately, I'm just like, I'm not in. Yeah. I mean, gosh, gone are the days when I was a, someone who got like maybe one RPG a year <laughs> and had to rent others. There's some games where I'm just like, I keep trying. Cause I'm like, I want to like this game. There must be something I'm going to keep pushing through. Like, like Bravely Default 2, bam, grabbed me. Monster right. Hunter Rise, bam, grabbed me. Resident Evil Village did not grab me. Oh, did you try? I didn't know you tried it. I did try it. I kept pushing through it. I just, it's not doing it for me. I don't know why. I like Resident yeah. Evil. Oh, did you like 7? I don't know if you played 7. I didn't play 7, though. Maybe it's just the format. But yeah, it happens Maybe. sometimes. Uh, I will say Griffland looks great. Like, mm. I love the style. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's very clay entertainment. Yeah. I still like I it. I actually find the style a bit overbearing and the um, the text is very small. And that might be why it's giving me a headache. Developers really got to learn their lesson when it comes to kerning and, and fonts and text and stuff. It's important. Please work on it. It feels like a game that maybe I should be playing on my PC. You know what? Give it another try on your PC. You might be absolutely right yeah. because small text can ruin a game. It, I have really terrible eyesight myself. It's happened yeah. to me before. So it's worth a try. It's just a bit much. Yeah. All right, Nadia. I want to finish by talking briefly about Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I've been meaning to write this article for a while. I haven't gotten around to it, but man, Bioware really needed Mass Effect Legendary Edition. This is such a <laughs> much needed win for them. It really is a a win for them. It put them back in some good graces. I'm sure it really helped their uh, budget a little bit. No problems there. Yeah, it sounded like they greenlit it and they basically said, okay, these are the resources you get. You, this is the time frame you get. Make it work. And they're like, <laughs> okay. And they had to be very conservative in the way that they actually approached uh, building out Mass Effect Legendary Edition. But hats off to them. The results have been really good. So there was no instance of quote-unquote Bioware magic this time where they just kind of left it and hoped that everything came together it's the, the last opposite second. of Bioware magic. Yeah, more like Bioware, get your ass on a schedule. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I should have that should have been my headline for the preview. Like, Mass Effect Legendary <laughs> Edition is the opposite of Bioware magic. And people would have been like, girl, I'm so mad. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> that's really like the clickbaitiest title ever. But, like, Bioware magic is... You know, if you haven't read like Jason Schreier's, um, you know, breakdowns of what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda, like Bioware had been a big believer of like, we have this magic powers that will always get us through. And then it totally blew up in their face with uh, with Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda. Both of those games ended up being just total messes. And it feels like they had to kind of rethink their processes as a result. And if that's the case, I'm glad. I think that a lot of developers who once relied on any kind of magic of that sort realized that doesn't really fly in the HG era where games are really long and hard and expensive to make. Uh, look how many Japanese developers learned that the hard way. No, we can't exactly futz around with our own engines here. We're going to have to uh, kind of get on board with what everyone else is doing and focus our efforts differently now. It's been really fun watching people react to Mass Effect Legendary Edition, talk about it. I have to say, when I played through the original Mass Effect for the console RPG quest, wow, it was amazing how much better it was than Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> I think I saw you comment on Mass Effect Andromeda on the yeah. Twitter. You played I said it recently? it should go away. It probably Forget about should. It. 
It's not a good game. I, Sorry. It's middling at best. Yeah, I had read a defense recently on Twitter saying that the game was fine and just the whole everyone making fun of it with gifts is what ruined it. But no, it sounds like it was just not a good game, period. No, I think that people are like, oh, the best combat. But the combat encounters were not good. The the bot, mm-hmm. the enemies were very repetitive. The set pieces really did not stand out very well. The exploration was, uh, there's just nothing about that game. That game was just a hot mess. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they say there will be more Mass Effect, so we'll see what the future holds in that regard. I also did not like the world building. I did not like the Andromeda region. It felt like Star Trek Voyager, honestly. And look, I know that there are people who defend Star Trek Voyager to their dying breath. That's great. <laughs> yes, the Delta I know Quadrant them. is easily the worst part of the Star Trek universe. The world building in the Delta Quadrant sucked. Maybe they should start making games and and Star Trek and all that stuff for the far far flung future when the co- the galaxies are supposed to collide because our galaxy is supposed to collide with Andromeda sometime in the future. So imagine what a mess that'll make. You get to Mass Effect Andromeda. And it's like hanging out with a freaking Kazon. And at a certain point, Bioware realizes that, uh, crap, nobody likes these stupid aliens. Bring back the Borg. <laughs> Bring in the Borg. They got to save our asses here. Got to save our asses with the damn Borg because we just, whatever. We don't have any good original ideas. No. Oh, the Borgs have a cool ship. It's a square. I know I'm going to get hate mail from people who love Star Trek Voyager. You know what? Captain Janeway is a war criminal. It should be in prison. <laughs> If it makes them feel any better, I don't like Star Trek at all. My dad does. <laughs> I was I was watching Star Trek Voyager when it was airing back in the nineties, and I was super um, I was super anti Star Trek Voyager at the time. I thought it was ruining Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> this is the poison that's ruining Star Trek. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of bad feelings about Voyager. I was super on the Babylon Five train at the time, oh. and I'll I'll admit it, I came around a bit on Star Trek Voyager since then. But um, I still, to this day, think that it's kind of a lesser series. And um, I, I don't mind dunking on it periodically. I, calling Mass Effect Star Trek Voyager, uh, Mass Effect and Star Trek Voyager might be paying it a compliment, honestly. I think Star <laughs> Trek Voyager is better. Fandom's going to fandom at the end of the day. Somebody just like uh, turned off their, uh, their, this podcast and unsubscribed, I swear. But... <laughs> and threw it out the window. And our and their Patreon pledge with it. There are people on Discord who are like, "Oh, cat take! Oh no!" Cat <laughs> has all the spicy takes. I'll, I have all. There the are people like... who I, apparently I get people to yell at their uh, their stereo sometimes. It's great. I only got one person apparently to yell at their their device, and that was with the Final Fantasy VIII thing when I said the junction system wasn't any good. Apparently, I made someone mad about. about awesome! That. Well done. <laughs> Just because they were right. The junction system is good, Nadia. No, it's not. It's weird. It's weird and different, and I don't like it. Speaking of weird and different, let's talk about what's coming out in July. Actually, none of these games are weird and different. Perhaps Cree Tales. Chris Tales? Cree Tales? Chris Tales. Very cute. I love the art style. It's going to be a day one Game Pass game. I already have it installed. Oh, cool. Way to go. Yeah, I actually am looking forward to that. I was supposed to get a preview build, but they canceled it, so... I don't oh, know. it did. Yeah, I remember that. We were going to talk about it on the podcast, but yeah. so that never happened. No, it did not happen. So uh, I guess we'll talk about it when it's out. I hope that doesn't portend like anything problems with the game. I think I will pick up Neo. The end of the world ends with you. The full version uh-huh. when it comes out. They got you, cat. 
They got me. Yep. I'm into it now. Uh, yes. Like I told you, five minutes. I know. Yeah. And yeah. I played Neo The World Ends With You, and I'm like, I'm into it. I, I want to play more. This is definitely my jam. Yeah. I'll, I think that Monster Hunter Stories 2 will be my July game for a bit. So I'll be uh, happy with that. I know that there are probably people judging me. Uh, yes. Who are going to be like, Cat, you need to give it more time. And I, I try. I really do. But... I can just feel the difference sometimes, Nadia. There are just times where I was like, I just can't do it. Like when I was playing Shimagama Tensei 3 Nocturne, I was a little, I had a little some trepidation. Mm-hmm. And initially I was going, I don't know about this. This is weird. But then, but then the the whole bits with the world ending and everything and the occult crap happening in the hospital and the creepy desert, I was like, oh, I actually can kind of am into this. Okay. Yeah, that I understand, but the game itself is a little bit hard to digest in this day and age, but still pretty It's hard to get into. I won't lie about that. Yeah, especially in a post-Persona world, but I think 5 is going to be fantastic. Please listen to our Pantheon episode with Stephen Strom that is coming out on Wednesday. Yes. Uh, I will also pick up the Pixel remasters because I am just a junkie for buying every retro game possible. I bought ride-in recently from the hamster games people the arcade archives on nintendo switch i played it for like two seconds and then i deleted it (laughs) money well spent way to go cat i almost bought final uh sd gundam g generation crossway rays out of the japanese e-shop before remembering that it's out in english actually oh there you go so you don't have to exercise your japanese yeah Except then I thought about it for a hot second. I was like, A, I don't like the Gundam Wing slash Gundam Seeds slash whatevers. Not enough to actually buy a game fully devoted to them. I want an, an a version of that game that is fully, like, that is devoted to all Gundam. Bring all of the Gundams into one game. All Gundams are equal, but some are more equal than others. I like I like the Universal Century better than I do, like, the, the weirdo series, like Gundam Age. Or whatever. I forgot that you're not really into Wing. It just felt like everyone who grew up with anime in the 90s was like completely hot on Wing. Wing's fun. I like the the I, I like the max, but the more I've come to like Gundam, the more I realize that Wing is not good. So <laughs> fighting words from Cat. It was the second Gundam I ever watched. So I yeah, watched it I after think... Seed and I was like, I'm into this. It's fun. Yeah. But now that I've watched it, I'm like, oh, they just reheated uh, the original Gundam <laughs> and tossed in some new elements. Boom, you got a series. Also, you got some uh, shipping. Cool. And you got some like real homoeroticism. There you go. New series. All done. <laughs> the, the Gundam Wing folks are like, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> or like a catrosexual. And of course, Skyward Sword Remaster, which is not an RPG, is coming out. And boy, am I not going to buy that game. I'm still on the fence. Today they released the quality of life improvements video and they all look good but i don't know if i want to play it again like i really love skyward sword for its setting and its characters i think that they took the best of skyward sword for breath of the wild which is great but it's not my favorite zelda to play but it has this great dungeon so i don't know it's just the overworlds that are just kind of like eh, i don't really want to do the overworlds again but the dungeons were so imaginative and cool so i don't know i'm really really deciding on that one groose is awesome though I think the dungeons are better than Twilight Princess, but also they overstay their welcome a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but some of them are just so original. Like the time-traveling dungeon with that orb, like that's just so mm. freaking amazing. Yeah, that would be Really creative. Yeah. Not a huge fan of the art style uh, contributing. Ah, boo, woo. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
but again, they just kind of pulled that, I think, and pulled it, put it into Breath of the Wild, like obviously modified it a bit, but the idea of Hyrule being kind of like windswept, maybe not Link looking like Justin Bieber this time, like he does in Skyward Sword. I don't like how constrained Skyward Sword is. Yeah, that's my main problem with it. It certainly feels constrained. I think it was um, Brendan Sinclair who dug up my Skyward Sword review from GamePro. Oh, boy. And basically it was like, Cat predicted Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Did you? Yes. In my review, I said, this game is super constrained. Maybe we need the opposite. Maybe we need something that's super open-ended and goes back to the roots of the original Legend of Zelda. And boom, we got Breath no. of the Wild. Way to go, Cat. Thank you for that. I did it. I'm going to take this it. win. I, uh, so make sure to use your influence on the next one so we have a good balance of both. So we have the overworld and the good dungeons. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Good, good. I'm glad you're, you got that hotline. I have high hopes for Breath of the Wild too. So do I. Well, my last point on Skyward Sword. First of all, I will not be using the uh, motion controls if I ever no. play that game. No, I don't sit on the couch on my ass to play video games and move around. Like I just don't do that. That's not <laughs> what couches are for. And second of all, boy, I really hope they paired back those stupid fetch quests because they were so bad. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was mentioned in the quality of life video, but I do know yeah. Fi doesn't interrupt you anymore unless you want right. her to for some reason. And third point, my God, that game starts out slowly. They really need to get the pacing going right on that game. So there's a lot of problems with Skyward Sword. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Skyward Sword, I think, also had something else against it, and that was it came out around the same time as Skyrim. So that and was Dark kind Souls. of and Dark Souls. That's right. So those were the games that people were going to for a Zelda experience they wanted. But to his credit, E.G. Numa really picked up and said, "Okay, here's what people didn't like. I will fix this." And he did. People were really down on Nintendo at the time, too. Uh, at least where I worked, like people were dunking on Nintendo constantly at my place of business, which was. <laughs> Uh, because the Wii was really long in the tooth at that point. Yeah. Like, it just felt ancient by 2011. So it was tough to play this game in SD and it was super slow. And pe people were like super over Zelda at this, at that moment in time, because it was like, people were going, it's so formulaic. They're just doing the same old crap over and over and mm -hmm. over again. Right. So there, there are a lot. There are a lot of people within the games industry who are like kind of side-eyeing Skyward Sword when it came out. I don't think it's a terrible game by any means. It definitely had its problems, but it had a lot good about it too. I think, again, the characterization and the story are a lot of fun. Okay, Nadia, let's look ahead to the rest of the year beyond that. We have the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes. We have Pokemon Arceus Legend. That's in like January, I think. Oh, um, right. Oops. We have SMT5. We yes. have Final Fantasy XIV, Walker, and we have She Dreams Elsewhere. There's a lot of games, and several of those are out in November. That's crazy. They're all coming. I think most of them are coming out around November, and that's going to kill me because that means I have uh, Pokemon and Endwalker at least to go through, and that's going to be madness. Are there no tentpole Western releases, uh, RPGs this year? Maybe not. I mean, I guess. Uh, it's still wild. that's wild to consider we're not even getting an assassin's creed which is like cut rate witcher mm. <laughs> Rate Witcher. <laughs> that's what it is i mean it's true but you shouldn't say it 
I mean, we're getting Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous in September. That's a Western RPG. It's not a tentpole Western RPG, mm-hmm. but it is a uh, hardcore, like, uh, it's a hardcore kind of Pillars of Eternity style uh, game. And please don't yell at me if I got that wrong. Tales of Arise is coming out in September 10th. Oh, right. How could I forget about that? We're going to have Eric on the show, I'm sure. But then again, that's another JRPG. And it's not. Yeah, that's gonna, that's but not I'm much. excited about it. It looks great. Yeah, you pre you talked about that in our last episode. You previewed it, correct? I did, yes. And we have Diablo 2 Resurrected coming out in September as well. Oh, that's good. That's something. <laughs> Try to be really excited, Nadia. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can feel much... your excitement just oozing out. There's just too much to play. There is, but I out of all, I will definitely play Diablo 2 Resurrected and Tales of Arise, honestly. I will too. I did love three very much for Diablo and I haven't really gotten into Tales since Vesperia, so I think Vesperia was a good indication that, okay, I think I'll like this series enough to give it a try. And beyond that, like I still think that there are some games that potentially need to be dated. You might be seeing companies that are trying to push to get out by holiday 2021, but I'm guessing that if it hasn't been confirmed for holiday 2021, it might be pushed into 2022 at this point, which, by the way, 2022, looking insane, cannot wait. Yeah, this... Even though we got a real glut of games as usual this year, we have still so many more to come, and a lot of them were pushed from this year to the next year. So it's not just going to be 2022, but also going to be everything that was delayed into 2022. It's going to be very, very busy. Good luck, everybody. And you have Endwalker to keep you busy anyway. I'm going to Endwalker the shit out of everything. Because <laughs> it's not just the story quest. They're re- like. It's a whole expansion, so it's going to be a whole... Everything's going to be bumped up to level 90. There's going to be that little plot of land you can have, and it can be your own. You can, like, you know... I already have an apartment that I've totally messed with, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to having my own little Stardew Valley in, in Final Fantasy. That's going to be nuts. Oh, my God. Uh, i got to finish. i got to catch up now. Damn it. You do. You absolutely do. How are you feeling about this year so far? Pretty good. I think it's a good year. Considering COVID... I, I, I can't say I had nothing to play. I was, especially in the first half of the year, I had, a, a as we're talking about, my, what I mean is the first half of the first half, February felt like a really good month for, for releases. And I've not been lacking for things to play. And that's new stuff, not just my backlog. So I can't complain. We want to talk about it from the perspective of a tentpole RPG release. I think this game, this year is far weaker than last year. I mean, last that's year not we got like... We got like Final Fantasy VII Remake and a bunch of yeah. other games last year. And, you know, like I've just, I'm looking at the calendar, the release calendar, and I'm just not seeing anything where I'm like going, wow, like this is blowing the doors off everything, right? Certainly, certainly nothing as big as, say, an Elden Ring, for example. So, yeah, which, which we're getting, but not surprising because it, I mean, COVID times, right? So, COVID times, we got a lot of big releases last year, like you just said. You know, and this was a good year for letting smaller games breathe. Monster Hunter Rise was probably our biggest one, really. I mean, if you look at the list, like a lot of remasters so mm-hmm. far. Like Legendary, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Near Replicant, Saga Frontier Remastered, uh, Legend of Mana Remastered. Uh, we got a final cut for Disco Elysium. We got some DLC from Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, Monster Hunter Rise, like, I think it's telling that that is by far, like, the game that has made me the most excited from an RPG standpoint. There's some some good action games, like, we already mentioned Resident Evil Village, a game I don't particularly like, um, and Returnal, 
which is very cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like from an RPG standpoint, hard to pick out like a the big temple. And I don't think we're going to get one this fall, which is a uh, yeah, kind of an in-between year. But maybe next year, right? We'll see. Yeah, next next year, God, Breath of the Wild alone, Elden Ring. It's July. Let's write off the rest of the year. Let's. <laughs> who not? Who likes warm weather? Not me. Actually, I can't. But like hey, it. we got a Final Fantasy fourteen expansion, so you're kosher. I'm good. I'm I'm real good. All right. Are there any games that we missed in talking about 2021 so far? Please share them. Tell us about the games that we really that you really like. There were a bunch of games on this list that we didn't really touch on. We tried to touch on as many as we could. Uh, like for example, we did not touch on Metopia, if you're into that, or Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. If <laughs> you're into on that. that. Last, we touched on that last week. We kind of dunked on it. Just touching. All right. Otherwise, let's continue on to the epic boss battle of the week of the Blood God. Don't go away. Okay, Nadia, this week we have a guest pick. This is from a reader, Evan Conley. Hello, longtime caller, first-time listener. My submission is pretty recent. The pick is the Lyra Nodon boss fight from part one of Fantasian, the 2021 Apple Arcade game from Hironobu Sakaguchi that, by the way, Nadia, we completely we, forgot, we forgot to, to mention. About. And Whoops. that's on us. That's a that great game, but it's the problem is it's on a platform that I feel like is over there. So that's, that's totally over on there. us. Over there. You had a freaking it, iPad, Nadia. You can go pick it up. I know I have a Come freaking on. iPad, but I don't pick up my iPad that often. It's pretty good too. It is. It's, it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that goes into the part of the, the reason I picked this 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 this, uh, this boss battle was I was like, oh crap, I forgot to talk about Fantasian, like on the fly. <laughs> so like, good job. Thank you for filling in our our failings. So this is what they said. Lyranodon ambushes your party after escaping from some catacombs about two-thirds of the way through. As the battle starts, it will summon two little electric bats to its side, who will each cast the game's thunder spell, not on you, but on the boss itself. This charges the boss up, and upon the third charge will cause it to release a powerful AoE attack on the party that each time knocks you closer to the edge of the cliff. If this premise seems familiar to you, you may recall a simpler... A similar, simpler battle playing out against the Chocobo Eater earlier in Final Fantasy X. So the obvious tactic is to avoid the issue is to just eliminate the bat monsters, which is simple enough as they aren't that strong. The problem being that the Lyranodon will replenish their ranks on increasingly frequent intervals, not just two of them, but around six to eight every subsequent time. There's a, actually a boss like that in Bravely Default 2 who is quite tough and you have to use powerful AOE attacks to be able to knock them out. I was using I was using gems to be able to kill all of the little drones um, at once. Uh, otherwise if otherwise you're just gonna get crushed by them. But anyway, in any case, the fight is no K walk. Like they gave like a huge strategy guide. You should go write wikis <laughs> for IGN. <laughs> um, but they said uh, even then, the fight snow cakewalk. That mix of mitigating a potential instant party wipe and slowly eking out a victory is immensely satisfying in a way many more epic boss fights can fail to replicate, which in its own way is pretty epic. Thanks for reading through to the end. Evan from Milwaukee. Hey, Evan, I hope the Milwaukee Bucks uh, do well or something in the NBA finals. Okay. <laughs> 
pretty cool, like a very strategic boss battle. It actually reminds me, speaking of previous bosses that have used that tactic, there's something quite similar in Final Fantasy VI with cranes. It's called the literal cranes that attack you and you're trying to escape the uh, Magitech facility and cranes uh, rise from the ceiling and attack you. And there's one that's vulnerable to fire and the other's vulnerable to electricity. And they charge each other up and it's really confusing to keep track of who's who. And they're pretty lethal because first of all, they have you stuck in a pincer attack, which means double damage. And second of all, if you use the wrong element on the wrong one, you're going to heal them, actually going to charge them up as well. So yeah, fights like that always require you to use just a little more strategy. And I do like the idea of like bosses having their own little minions to do their bidding like that. But more really, but really, I have to go back and finish Fantasian because that is like a really good game. It's a very good game, and I actually really wish that it was out on Switch or something where more people could play it. Sakaguchi and Uematsu back in the saddle. Holy cow! Heck, it's just too bad that like it's just not on the Switch again. <laughs> I That's feel like how it, was... it is with it, or like any other console, honestly. I feel like it was overlooked, and because it just was not on. Was a it overlooked? Platform. I don't know. I think people were into it. Yeah, as long as people were into I, it, I, I hope they were. I'd be interested to know like how many people actually played it. But yeah, like yeah. I, I didn't feel like I was seeing it on any lists of the best RPGs so far this year. Yeah, and that's no failing of the game itself. It's just no. it, our Apple Arcade is a good idea, but I don't really think that it's really suitable for RPGs like that. Hmm. Why not? I don't know, because Apple gaming is always going to be associated with like quick play stuff, not really RPG so much, even though Square Enix keeps putting their stuff on there. So who am I to speak? I think our age is making us a little biased because I think there are a lot of people who grow up with iPads or are very used to playing on iPad and so would True. prefer to play on those particular platforms, whereas we did not grow up playing on those platforms. So it'll always feel a little bit alien to us. So I, I, think, I think that so. is that, that might be playing into it a little bit. Either way, I hope that like since the game is on Apple Arcade, that Sakaguchi and Yamato got paid well either way. I'm sure that Apple gave them a bunch of money up front. It's only part one. There's part two coming out at some point. Oh, right. Well, hopefully by the time part two comes out, we'll see it on other consoles. <laughs> All right, Nadia. That is it for this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thanks to everybody for listening, as always. If you enjoyed the show, please go and toss us a follow. I'm on Twitter at the underscore Capot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And of course, you can follow us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. Or if you just want to go and get all the premium episodes that are here on the Apple Podcast feed, just hit subscribe. We have lots more to come in terms of content over the course of July. Lots of exciting stuff. Final Fantasy XIV, uh, first episode from Nadia. We got a Summer of the Rings episode coming out later this month as well. And of course, our Pantheon Exploration of Fantasy Star. Awesome stuff. I love uh, podcasting with you, Nadia. You're great. Aw, thank you. I like podcasting with you. I think it's like a vacation of the mind. And on that note, we'll be back next week. But for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring. This Pokemon can't do much You know the rules And so do I It's barely capable Of standing up But it's our buddy And here's some reasons why Can't you see Its heart is full of feelings Gotta make you understand Always been a friend be do On it you depend be do You're just gonna stand Stay true Never gonna dump be do Now I'm gonna shout be do
Hooray. Go Catboys.